now plugged in to the Delphi Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Delphi Podcast. I'm Tom Shaughnessy, and I help lead Delphi Ventures, as well as host some of the most in-the-weeds and thought-provoking guests across crypto, spanning Layer 1s to DeFi, NFTs, and beyond. The goal is to have fun, but also to dive deep and offer foundational episodes on projects and founders. Also, check out our research on Delphi Digital or miss out on the most compelling research there is. It's up to you. As a reminder, nothing said on this podcast is a solicitation to buy or sell any security or token or to make any financial decisions. Delphi Ventures may hold tokens mentioned, so check out our transparency page in the show notes for more info. With that, let's dive in. See you guys on the other side. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Shaughnessy. I'm joined by my partner, Jan Lieberman. And today we have Sorab on to discuss fan-controlled football. Sorab, how's it going? It's great, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, Jan, why don't you give a little bit of background on yourself, and then we'll go to Sorab, and we'll dive into his um, history. Uh, yeah, my name is Jan Lieberman. I um, spend most of my time on the venture side, you know, split between kind of portfolio company work and new portfolio company due diligence, and then the rest um, working on the lab side with um, the token design and kind of protocol design front. Oh, yeah, powering a lot of our porcos. So, Rob, guest of honor, man. Tell us a bit about your background and how you got into crypto. Well, it all started when I was um, I was born in Texas. I'm a diehard Cowboys fan, so probably half the listeners are going to tune out now, but it's fine. Um, I, uh, I got into a crypto back in 2016, 2017, went kind of down the rabbit hole. Uh, I was really uh, actually uh, excited about uh, our applications for blockchain and what we're doing in fan-controlled sports. Uh, the idea of decentralization. Uh, I'm a huge sports card collector. So the idea of digital collectibles uh, was something that, you know, personally uh, I was passionate about. And I just felt like as we were building out our, you know, our real life video game, uh, that was a really unique uh, value proposition to including tokenomic model and digital collectibles and all sorts of things that I think fit really well into a, into a a sports uh, league model uh, and a video game. And that's, and we're both of those things. So, um, I've been uh, been dabbling since 2017 and really uh, took a deep dive uh, here in the, in the last about year and a half. Nice, man. I, I think our first question for you is just, you've spent a lot of time in traditional sports. You've seen how it all works from fan engagement, ownership, betting, the whole nine yards. What issues did you see with that model that kind of led you to fan control football? And we'll get into what fan control football is, but I want to set the stage a little bit. Sure. What did you see? What did you want to change? What did you dislike? Well, I, I think first and foremost, uh, the idea as a fan, and I think, you know, I, I'm a Cowboys fan. We, I say we won three Super Bowls in the 90s. I mean, I didn't do anything, right? I sat on my couch and I cheered, but I still say we won. Uh, but there's something like hollow about it a little bit, right? Like, I mean, it, it had no impact on that game. Um, and so growing up a huge sports fan, growing up a, you know, a Madden player, I mean, still a huge fantasy football player myself. Um, I felt like giving the people that were creating all the value, uh, the ability to, to have a, a say and an impact was, was something that, you know, really stuck with me. Um, we tried this model uh, in of fan-controlled sports in an existing league, in the Indoor Football League. Uh, way back in 2017, uh, we owned a team in that league that we turned over to the fans. And our original thought was we were going to build a platform. Me and my co-founders are all, you know, I've had venture-backed companies in the past in mobile and gaming. We were looking at this as a platform play to empower fans of other teams and other leagues. 
And I think the biggest problem that you run into and why we're doing what we're doing is when you buy a team, you want to make the decisions, right? So as much as we don't like to think these team owners give a shit what we want, uh, they don't because they bought the team because they want to make the decisions, right? I mean, that's the beauty of buying a sports team and owning it. So I think what we realized, and, the, and I think the biggest problem is that it's ego and it's decision-making power. Uh, it's all at the top and it's all centralized. And in order to give the power to the fans, you actually have to start with a concept that is power to the fans. And that, I mean, that's our mantra. That's what we're building on. Um, and that's the ethos of the, of the league. Uh, and uh, and the entire model, and I think that that allowed us to to kind of head in with open eyes and open arms in terms of you know everything that we could do to to give the power back to the fans. Totally. It, I mean, is there any way that you think that the traditional leagues can give this power to their fans? Like, or do you think that the model you're going after is just too much of a change that there's no way that they could you know, realistically copy what you're doing? I mean, could they? Yes. Will they? I just, I honestly don't see it. I mean, I, look, there's there's projects right now that are raising money to buy teams, right, in existing leagues. Uh, and the idea that those leagues are going to allow any of those teams to be run by a DAO, I mean, every team owner in the big leagues, they vote on whether or not, I mean, they have bids on these teams and they pick the ownership groups they want. They're not going to let a decentralized DAO come in and buy an NFL team or an NBA team. Like I, I just, I mean, as much as I would love that to happen, I don't think in the next 10 years, we are going to see these big leagues come around and say, oh, let's turn over, a, you know, a whole ownership structure and, and voting structure to fans. I just, I don't see it. So I, I think we're, we're really far ahead in, in, in our model and what we're doing. Um, you know, there's lots of ways to build platforms. It's not easy to build a platform and a league at the same time. And I think that's where we've set ourselves apart is we've actually built the league as well. Um, and it allows us to iterate and, and, uh, and test and, and create things that, uh, that the other leagues just aren't able to with, you know, players unions and 32 owners around a table making decisions. And, you know, you go on and on and on. Uh, there's just so many roadblocks and red tape. It, it, it's going to be tough for those guys to catch up. And, and, you know, now that you kind of set the stage on some of the issues that exist with the, the traditional kind of model, can you dive into a bit into, you know, what fan control football is and, and how you're addressing some of those gaps? Yeah. And fan control football was built from the ground up to be a league built for the digital fan, right? The, the idea is you think about sports, uh, all the sports that we love right now uh, and all the most valuable sports leagues in the world. Uh, these are games that were designed and, and structures that were designed and built. I mean, we're talking about a hundred years ago, like legitimately a hundred years ago, right? Internet didn't exist. Social media didn't exist. Crypto certainly didn't exist. So we wanted to take the handcuffs off of traditional sports and basically imagine it and reinvent it from the ground up for the digital fan, right? Like if you were, building a league from scratch right now with real players and real coaches, not a video game, not ones and zeros, a real league, what would you do differently, right? And that's, I think, where we have changed the, the paradigm. Uh, all of our teams are in one location. It's shared services model across the league. It's one venue. There's no travel. Um, it allows us to create tons of content, which is the most valuable property that any sports league has. 
um, and uh, and allow us to scale quickly. We can plug more teams into the existing infrastructure, um, and uh, and and then we empower fans, right? I mean, our branding, our uh, our draft, player draft, and then real time play calling. It's all done by the fans. I mean, the entire concept is how do you open up the kimono? How do you give fans access and power? Uh, that we've always wanted as sports fans. We've all wanted to do this with the teams we love uh, and we haven't been able to. And, and the idea is this is a league built by a bunch of sports fans that uh, are giving the power to the fans the way we wish we, we wish we had it with all the teams we love. So Rob, you mentioned that you don't think that the league would ever allow like a DAO to actually purchase a team. So, you know, group of people get together, let's say they end up raising an amount of money to actually buy a team. What would be the blocker on that? And even if they were successful, they wouldn't have all of the engagement or real ownership or, you know, control and direction that you're affording fans and fan control football, right? You know, I think even if somebody was willing, was able to get enough money to purchase a team in one of these leagues, uh, the first blocker is the owners have to approve all new owners into the league. Um, so if there's a DAO, um, will they let that DAO buy a team? I find that highly unlikely right now. I mean, Five years from now, 10 years from now, is it possible? Yeah, I think anything's possible. Um, but, uh, but I think it's highly unlikely in the short term. Even if it were to happen, I think the, the real issue becomes, well, then what, do you, what are you allowed to open up? Because there's also all these rules around, you know, you've got players unions, you've got, uh, uh, you know, all, all of the, the constituents around the table, you've got all these big brand partners, uh, you have all these big distribution partners, right? You have everybody around the table that has a stake in this thing. Uh, and they all have a say, right? They all have a voice. They all they all have a way to block things. Um, so I think the ability to iterate and innovate, and we've seen that, right? These big leagues, even when they know something's wrong, they got to go behind closed doors and spend the summer trying to figure out how to make it better. And they usually come out and get it half right or half wrong, right? Or or, or make it some convoluted new rule uh, that didn't really address the problem in the first place. Um, so I think that's what you deal with. Look, as as much credit as we give the Indoor Football League for letting us go try our, our concept, the reason we left that league was just that. We were one of 10 decision, decision makers around the table. And when we said, look, here's the data from what we did. Here's the direction we think this can go. But we think this rule should change and that rule should change and pace of play should pick up. And it was like pulling teeth, right? I mean, it was just like there were people were willing to like crawl like, hey, let's change this rule and see how it works for the next season which by the way is a freaking year until you get to the next season and then oh and then let's change that i'm like it'll be fucking gray and dead before we see the future of sports here so it was that 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 made it really tough and i think that's honestly the challenge for anybody um and where it's different for us is we're a single entity run by a bunch of you know fans that love sports and want to change it and have built it for the ground up uh by listening to what the fans want and making the changes in real time. Uh, and, and and that's the way we're going to continue to iterate on the league and, and make it as good as it can be. And, you know, on that note, this isn't necessarily like something theoretical, right? You guys already had a first season. So we'd love for you to kind of dive into, um, you know, what you've seen in the first season, the kind of the, the, the attendance, the, the viewership you've gotten, even like, you know, the individuals that you've gotten involved on on the NFL front. So our team owners are, you know, celebrities, athletes, entertainers, guys like Marshawn Lynch and Richard Sherman and Quavo from Migos and Austin Eckler and Bob Mennery. And the idea is that, you know, these are they're 
they're uh, they're influencers and they're bringing engaged fans with them into the league. Um, so and they they love what we're doing and they participate in the content. Um, and so the way that we uh, we started this thing, we, we had our first season uh, last year in, in February and March with four teams. Uh, we brought those uh, owner influencers uh, into the fold before we had team names, before we had logos, before we had anything. We had these team ownership groups, uh, and those owners brought the first wave of fans in. And then fans got to vote on everything, including naming the team. Uh, it's it, all of our logos are user generated content. It's user, uh, and then and then they vote on on what logo they want. Um, we bring a pool of players into the league. Fans actually draft the players that they want onto the team. Um, and then during the games, uh, they call plays in real time uh, through an integration with Twitch and in our mobile app. Um, and so it's really creating a, a real life video game, right? Where it's real players on the field, it's real coaches. We had Johnny Manziel playing and Josh Gordon, like legitimate NFL talent uh, playing in this league. Uh, and fans are calling the plays and making the decisions and, uh, and, and building the rosters the way that they would if they were playing a, you know, a, a game of Madden. Um, so that, that's our concept. Our, you know, the first season was phenomenal. It was only six weeks. It was a beta season. We had over a million people uh, watch every week uh, you know, on, on our Saturday games. We had double headers uh, every Saturday. Um, you know, we had 125,000 app downloads and 2.2 million real-time uh, play calls. I mean, it was a just crazy engagement. Um, big brands like Progressive Insurance and Wendy's and IBM and, and Gatorade all were, were big sponsors of the league. Um, and, uh, and we kind of came out of that first season, you know, with all the data that, uh, that we needed to show that, you know, there, there was something there, right? Like fans really would spend the time. They would lean in. They did want to lean forward and make these decisions. Um, and there was a way to, you know, change the, that interaction and that dynamic between, you know, fans and, and sports um, and create something that, uh, that they could participate in uh, that's very different than, than the traditional league. Yeah, no, what you're building is extremely different. So walk us through the, the fan journey here, right? Like you're allowing your fans to own, build, manage their franchises. They do it from an easy app. Um, they have a lot of information. It's very collaborative. Walk us through the journey. Like I download the app, you know, what do I do? You know, what can I do? How do I get involved? Yep. So download the app or, or go on the website, fcf.io. You create an account. Uh, and the first thing you do is you choose your team. Um, because once you're on a team, each team has its own leaderboard. Uh, we have something called Fan IQ. Uh, we call what we've done for the fan experience, the gamification of the fan experience, right? So the idea is as a fan, the time you put in, uh, is measured and you're you're rewarded for that. Uh, in season one, it was with something called Fan IQ. So the more content you consume, the more votes you participated in, you know, player drafting, real-time play calling, you're moving up your team's leaderboard. And the higher you are on your team's leaderboard, the more voting power you have. Um, so this is, uh, it's the democratization of sports, but we also say not all fans are created equal, right? The, the people that want to lean back and, and, and watch or maybe call some plays on game day, they're not going to have as much say in what those plays are as the people that spent all week, you know, engaging with the players and, 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 and watching last week's games and highlights and voting on the MVP of, of the previous game. And so uh, there's a there's there's a spot for everybody and everybody's vote counts. Um, but we really uh, value the people that are you know contributing, creating uh, and, and being a part of it. And so uh, on game days in, in season one, uh, it was all done on Twitch. So you watch the game live on Twitch. Uh, there's an integration of, of real-time play calling uh, in the Twitch extension. So you can literally watch the game and call plays all in the same interface. Um, it's two diagrammed runs and four diagram passes. 
and fans have 15 seconds to, to choose which play they want. Um, and then the amazing part, it's real-time feedback. So as soon as you pick your play, you see percentages of what other fans are voting on. You know exactly what play is coming. And if it's your play, it doesn't matter if 10,000 other people called it, you literally feel like you did. I've been doing this for years now. And even in practice, you know, when I'm practicing our play calling app and my play gets selected, I literally, I'm like, all right, here comes my play. Like it is just this connection to the game that you don't have. Um, it's kind of like, you know, Tony Romo, right? He, you know, you watch a game with Tony Romo announcing, he knows kind of what's coming. And when he's right, everyone's like, holy shit, that was awesome. I, I knew what play to look for. I knew where the routes were going to go. You like see this game unfold before your eyes, um, you know, through a different perspective. Um, and this, this gives it to you. And, and I think uh, there's this really unique uh, piece of the game uh, from the play calling perspective for fans, but it's also player drafting, right? I mean, we, we, we held multiple drafts uh, headed into each of the first three games of the season. Fans get to draft the players they want on their team. Then we do keepers every week. The rest of the players go back in the pool and fans get to draft again. And what that does is create parity in the league. So now the talent is evenly distributed because everybody saw these guys play for a couple of weeks before we lock rosters. So you've got the best wide receivers spread across every team and you've got the best quarterbacks spread across every team. And so um, we just had amazing endings our first week. We had, you know, our first season with 10 games ended on walk-off or, or, or last drive touchdowns. I mean, it was a, it was really, really fun to watch. It was great football. Um, and it was just engaging, uh, you know, for, for, for fans to be part of that experience. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and I'd say that the biggest piece, I think that the one I always go to our championship game, it was, uh, there were three seconds left. The ball was on the, on the two yard line. Um, and our fans of the wild aces literally called the game winning walk-off touchdown in the championship game. We have thousands of fans, you know, when I say we won championships for the Cowboys, it doesn't mean shit. When they say we won, I mean, they literally called the walk-off touchdown in the championship game. So um, that's, a, that's a, really, a really unique experience that uh, I think is going to translate as we, as we continue to grow. Jesus, man. You're changing the whole model. And, I mean, one more question just on the, the fan engagement side. So if you have a fan that has a super high fan IQ, I mean, you're no longer just you – know, I'm not, like, seeing my friends' Instagram stories and Snapchat stories on – who they think will win, right? Like you can have fans actually stream live to their own audiences and share their picks in real time and kind of communicate that to all of their followers. Is that something that you've seen in the past so far? Or is that something you're looking for? Yeah, and in fact, so Twitch has a has something called co-streaming where, and if you're a publisher, you can open up co-streaming, which allows anybody else on the Twitch platform to stream your content and comment over top of it. Uh, and uh, commentate, I should say, over top of it. And we had random people, we had no idea who they were that were lighting up their Twitch accounts and whether they had 20 or 30 or a thousand, you know, viewers, um, they were watching the games and talking to their audience and engaging and, and calling plays. And so, yeah, we, we saw that. I think that's a huge piece as we, as we talk about it as we, as we move forward. We're gonna create superstar fans, right? We're gonna have fans that are so good at calling plays and they're gonna have such a great personality, people are gonna to wanna to watch the games with them, right? It's just like if you're, if you're thinking about esports, that's why esports is popular, right? Because you've got these big personalities that people love to watch Ninja, you know, rose to fame because people liked him and he was fun and engaging and, and you watched what he did and you learned from him and, and he made it fun to spend a couple hours watching, uh, watching video games. So I think 
that's where we're headed with with fan controlled sports um, is giving you know the shine to to the fans and giving them the opportunity to to do that where you, I mean it's illegal to to do that on NFL games right you know we streaming that stuff because uh, it's uh, they they block it yeah no no that makes a lot of sense and and so on on the kind of the other side of the table you have the players right and so um, you know one thing there's there's no obviously development league in the NFL so you have this kind of gap in terms of where these players can go whether it's play in Europe or play here and so maybe it would be really useful to kind of explain the, the player journey a bit and, and, you know, what kind of, what players have you attracted so far and, and what's the appealing, you know, proposition for them and, and kind of how, how does that whole model work? Yeah, look, I, I think the, the player dynamic, especially in football is, is, is unique. And uh, uh, when you look at it versus other sports there, like you said, there's nowhere really for guys to go after college. And when you think about college football, it is the by far biggest sport uh, in, in, in college. Um, and if you think about the talent level, I mean, there's where, as we record this, the national title games tonight, right? You've got two of the best teams, which is 50 of well, hundred like these, these rosters are hundred, hundred of the best players in the nation on these two teams. We might see 12 of those guys in the NFL, right? In the next draft, maybe, um, where are the rest of the guys going, right? There's nowhere. And so this gives them an opportunity for the guys that want to continue to live their dream to come play. I think the difference in the way we're positioning it is, you know, my co-founder, Ray Austin, uh, played in the NFL for five years. After that, went on to a really successful, and he's still doing it, acting career. So he's been in, you know, Hollywood. He's been in movies. He's been in TV shows. Um, and we kind of look at Ray as the model player that we are looking for, somebody that is dynamic on the field as an athlete and then dynamic off the field in front of a camera. You think about a 20-year-old coming out of college, digital native content consumer or, or content creator, gamer, right? Active on social. They check every box. They are our target demo and target audience. And we now have a league that encourages them to do all of the things that all these other leagues basically don't allow them to do, right? We want them to stream on Twitch. We want them to speak their mind to fans. We want them to engage. We're giving them a platform as a, as a, as a young kid out of college to build their personal brand, right? And, and have something that they can fall back on, you know, after football. Um, and so for us, um, part of our job is to go find the athletes that are not only good on the field, but the ones that are good in front of the camera, right? Because this is not just sports, it's also entertainment. Um, we take the football really seriously between the lines, but when these guys are outside of the lines, we want their helmet off, we want them talking to the camera, we want them talking shit to each other. You know, we pay bonuses, for the best touchdown celebration, we pay bonuses, uh, by the way, voted on by the fans. We pay bonuses for the best interview voted on by the fans, right? So instead of like, yeah, just doing my job, you know, coach told me to go out there and we play a good team ball. Who the hell wants to listen to that? I get, it's nauseating. We hear that every game from every sideline reporter and every interview after the fact. Like the, the idea is like, be yourself, say what you want to say. We're all people. Just tell us what you think and let's hear it. Uh, and just creates way better entertainment, right? So I think that's where we're really leaning in uh, is not only the game day experience, but everything around, you know, and leading up to game day uh, to bring uh, th those players uh, to give them a platform and give them a place to, to build a brand and, 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 and be relevant. Appreciate all the color there. And so I guess the, the last kind of um, part of the, the journey is the, is the owner journey. And that's also where you get some of the uh, crypto component that also comes into play. So um, we'd love to kind of, you know, 
hear about that and and, and how the the crypto element really comes into play here as well and and you know that's definitely gonna be an area we'll expand on a bunch yeah so on the on the team owner side uh, obviously we've got our celebrity team owners that are you know kind of the first piece of the of the puzzle when we announce new teams um, but we also then let fans in uh, before season one uh, become true equity owners so this isn't Green Bay Packers, you know, put a piece of paper on your wall ownership, uh, which somehow they raised $80 million doing. So they've got some pretty diehard fans. Um, but this is true equity ownership. We did equity crowdfunding uh, regulation CF campaigns on Republic. Uh, we sold out of our team equity. Uh, there's an SEC cap at the time of $1.2 million. We sold out in you know 10 days leading up to the season uh, where fans are true equity owners in our first four franchises heading into season two. Uh, we're going to double that. So we've got eight uh, teams for season two, four expansion teams that, uh, that are coming into the league. Um, we're going to let fans buy equity into those, you know, all eight teams headed into to season two. And then uh, these new four teams that we're bringing in, um, the other piece we're doing is a little different. The first four teams were free to play uh, as many fans as one or two. We could have 10 million fans per team around the world that registered. They'd all have a share of voice. They'd all have a vote. Um, these next four teams, uh, we're actually token gating the teams and we're token gating them with an NFT. So we call it our Ballers Collective. It's an NFT avatar. Um, I can show some uh, some pictures if that would be, if you think that would be helpful. Um, yeah, yeah. Feel free to share your screen. Be super helpful for those watching on video. But the Ballers Collective is an NFT collection. Uh, there'll be 8,888 ballers per team. Uh, and these NFT avatars will be the gating access to the teams to actually allow you to make decisions. So it's really the first time that, you know, governance at a team level uh, is being put in the hands of, uh, of uh, or put in an NFT. Um, and it's going to create some, some really unique dynamics. So um, got some uh, sneak peeks here, but, you know, again, similar to the first season, holders of the, of the ballers, We'll be able to name the team, design the logo, you know, draft the players, uh, pick the uniforms, you know, all of the, the elements of building a franchise from the ground up. Um, but we're putting this in the hands of uh, the people that actually own the NFT itself. Um, and then uh, we're also adding a bunch of utility. So I think the, the really unique part here and what I'm excited about uh, and the next, in my mind, next frontier, uh, not just my mind, I think everybody's mind, next frontier of NFTs is utility, right? It's like, what else can we do besides make really cool PFPs? Uh, and, you know, part of what we think is really powerful uh, is embedding, you know, gaming utility. So a lot of the mechanics that we had in our first season, you know, we're going to be embedding into the gear of these of these avatars. So you know, let's say you might get a, a baller and I've got some more examples and, you know, they're, these are the these are the crazier ones. Um, you know, some of these uh, are the items, the gear items are more rare than others. Some might give you uh, additional passing voting power, or a run play voting power, or player drafting voting power, or uh, and then we're also embedding IRL utility, right? So the idea is, may, you might get a baller that has VIP access to games to our venue in Atlanta, or season tickets, or you know, game worn merchandise drops, um, because this is a real league and and we can connect kind of the physical and the digital, it's all these different ways are gonna to come together uh, into these, uh, into these uh, NFTs um, and create some really unique uh, opportunities. And then stage two is a baller's video game. So the idea would be you can take your baller, 
and not only use it in the real league to control these teams and make decisions, uh, but then you can also take your baller and move it into the, the fan-controlled video game uh, and, and play uh, with your baller in, in, in that video game. Uh, and then, you know, the, the tokenomics come into play. And so obviously, you know, my excitement with the, the Series A, um, with you guys getting involved and with, you know, Animoca involved, um, is really thinking through a new way to do uh, tokenomic design in, in a sports league. Um, and I want to, you know, I want to give ownership to fans. I want to give ownership to players. I want to figure out how we can let, you know, players, uh, what they do on and off the field have an impact on the token tokenomic model, right? We've got all this data from, you know, their biometrics to their telemetry data, right? We track how fast they're running and we track their heart rate. I mean, there's so much data coming out of the league. Um, and I think there's some really unique mechanics uh, that we can work on, on on the token side of things and really think about creating that, you know, that digital economy um, where the ballers and the gear uh, and our, you know, digital collectibles and, and the token all work in this uh, really unique relationship uh, as we as we grow. So, so Rob, for those not watching the video, you just shared your screen. You showed us some of the NFT expansion team concept art. And I mean, the artwork is incredible, right? Like you had a helmet that was on fire, like you have sick cleats, like, you know, different types of shoulder pads and jerseys and gloves and you know, all different colors. Some were like glowing, not glowing. So what you're saying is if you own these specific NFTs that augment your player, those NFTs also give you the rights to say, you know, physical in-game tickets, access to practice, behind the scenes content, merch, like so you're linking these sick NFTs with the teams with the real life activities. Exactly. Uh, so the idea is we want to embed these NFTs with as much digital utility and as much physical utility as we can. Um, and we think that's, look, I think that's the unique position that we're in, right? It's like, if you think about what's happening in, in, in the world of crypto and blockchain and NFTs right now, 99.99% of it is 100% digital, right? It's all ones and zeros. Uh, we are in this really unique spot where we've got this, you know, next gen sports league that, I mean, was kind of built for the metaverse, right? I mean, we, we are in this unique position to try and test everything and push the envelope. Uh, again, we don't have a players union. I don't have 32 owners around the table saying no. Um, we can do whatever the hell we want. Um, we can do whatever the hell the fans want, right? We take all that input and we're going we're gonna to try uh, to really be at the forefront uh, of this next, you know, push uh, in, in NFTs and utility. Um, and, and this isn't just about football. I mean, that's our first league, but I mean, I, I think, you know, a fan control baseball league would be incredible. Um, we're going to be testing that concept uh, late next year, or sorry, late this year, I guess it's already 2022. You know, we've got uh, ideas for other sports as well. So as we look at, you know, where this heads, it's, we have a blue ocean in front of us um, and uh, and we're looking for, you know, people in the space to get involved, be part of this project. We want fan control football to be the web three league, right? We, that's, that's our goal. Um, and we want to do this as, uh, you know, as authentic as we can um, to the players and to the coaches and to the fans and, and everybody in between. Yeah. No, I mean, your ability to link crypto and what we all know as NFTs with an actual real world community and, and team and players is incredible. One other question I had for you, just on the ballers and the expansion team, you're clearly targeting crypto natives, but obviously a traditional sports kind of venue. So are you concerned at all on the game theory? Like if I'm a crypto whale and I buy all these players, 
that's great. But if I'm not actively managing my team, then obviously the value of those NFTs go down because the expansion team goes down because they're losing. How do you think through like how the, those owning these NFTs really have to be active? Like that was obviously the goal here, but how did you come to 100%. that realization? Well, look, you hit the nail on the head. I like, we didn't talk about it, but these four new teams are what we've done for the these four teams is partner with existing communities uh, where we think there's going to be a lot of interest in being involved, right? So um, we, we announced uh, 888 Inner Circle and Steve Aoki, um, you know, two very deep in the NFT and blockchain space. Uh, the Knights of DGen, which is sports and gaming and fantasy and, you know, Tiki and Rondé Barber, former NFL players, and Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network, and then you know Drew Austin and, and a bunch of other guys and girls uh, that are super active in, in the sports space. And then the two uh, new additions are the Board Ape Yacht Club uh, and Gutter Cat Gang communities. Um, and we've got you know OGs from both of those uh, groups as the, you know installed as the team owners um, to to get those communities in, involved in in the teams. And look, I think what we're looking for. We have 8,888 ballers per team. I would love to have 8,888 unique owners that are all active, right? Because I mean, when, what I'm excited about is this is like four brand new franchises. They don't have a name. They don't have a logo. They don't have jerseys. What is the Web3 world going to name these teams, right? What, what are these logos going to? It's all user-generated content. As long as it's PC and PG, we don't have boundaries, right? Like. These, these names could be and logos could be whatever the hell, you know, these communities want them to be. Um, and so I think to your point, Tom, like I, I think that what will happen is these ballers will find their way into the hands of people that want to be active. Right. There is going to be my hope, a demand from the community to be part of this experience because it, it's it's new. It's unique. It's unlike anything that's come before it. Um, and, 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 and the hope is that that's where these things will, will end up is sitting in the hands of, uh, of the people that want to be engaged. Yeah, no, I, I love the, the crypto component because, you know, like you mentioned, it gets a lot more engagement from the fan side, but it also gets a lot more engagement from the player side where now, you know, these players themselves are, are going to be, you know, they can get tokens in certain ways. And so I think it, it brings a, a unique sense of ownership to the players themselves. And, and that's something that, you know, is I think going to be another draw to, to bring in the talent, especially, you know, the younger digitally native talent. And so like this all kind of exists in, in the digital world, but you obviously have plans for the, the physical stadium and kind of what all of that looks like. So we'd love to be able to kind of touch on that and, and perhaps, you know, show some of the images that you have. Yeah. So the, the venue itself. So we played our first season um, in, um, in Atlanta in an existing arena called the Infinite Energy Arena. Um, where we built out a set. It was, it was during COVID, kind of played in a bubble. Um, so we got to stand up our set and, and play the games all in one location. We didn't have to set up and tear down. There weren't other events coming through the arena. Part of what we wanted and part of the experience, again, this is built for the digital fan. So the idea is that the venue itself needs to be, you know, think about American Ninja Warrior. Think about WWE, right? These events are made for television, right? And the production value is crazy. We had the same thing, right? Ours is a mix of football and WWE and a rock concert. And that's what fan-controlled football is to watch. Um, and so we're really excited about this next iteration, uh, which I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll show some pictures of, which uh, we'll be uh, hopefully having, you know, the full specs and, 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 uh, and release soon. Um, so this is the venue. It's built in a place called Pullman Station. 
uh, Pullman Yards, uh, just south. It's in South Atlanta. It's an old train uh, facility. And these are, there's two build, existing buildings. We're putting a roof over top, putting the field down in between them. Um, and this on the right-hand side, these are huge, like 25-foot roll-up doors that we're building our VIP boxes into. And then we're have, this will be very intimate. About 2,500 people uh, will be able to come to the venue and, and, and watch. So I think that the in-person experience is, is going to be phenomenal. Um, we'll, we'll have ways for fans to earn those tickets as they participate, right? It won't all be, you know, pay to play. Uh, and uh, I think there's going to be something really special about this. It's, you know, urban and there's graffiti and brick and steel. And then we got drones flying around and helmet cameras and mics on our guys and 180 cameras all over the place. And so it's going to be this kind of really, you know, unique blend of football and technology uh, in this venue that I think will be unlike, you know, anything, at least that football has been played in before, I can tell you that much. And we're, we're really excited about, the, about debuting this thing. Our first game's April 16th in, in this arena. Um, we just took possession of it actually this weekend. And we're starting to, to, the build out right now to be ready to play in April. Sure, this looks excellent, man. I mean, the pictures that we're looking at for those on the video, I mean, it, it just looks incredible. There's so much thought that went into the planning here and I can't wait to visit. Can you tell us a bit about the different game mechanics that go into the football version versus, I mean, we're, we'll talk about other sports yeah. later, but we'd love to talk about the differences versus the NFL on the gameplay. Yeah, so it's a, it's a very different game. So it's a 50-yard field, seven-on-seven uh, seven football. We wanted to basically make a miniaturized version of the outdoor game, right? So we put a lot of thought into the rule set uh, to make, running and passing balance. If, uh, if there's people out there that are listening that have watched indoor and arena football, those games are very heavy passing. 95% of the, of the game is, uh, is passing. Um, we created a rule set that actually opens up the running game a lot. Um, so there's a really nice healthy balance between run and pass. Uh, there's a lot of strategy involved in, in the play calling. Our games are one hour with a running clock. We have a five minute halftime. The idea is that within you know an hour and a half, you will be able to consume a fan-controlled football game. So we're not asking people for three or four hours on a Sunday. It's more like playing a, you know, an hour and a half of video games and you're done. And then the game mechanics, I mean, one of the things that we, we wanted to focus on as a business model, uh, we have these incredible game hooks on game day. I mean, calling plays is, is, is unbelievable, um, but we wanted people to come back during the week, right? We wanted to give people a reason to engage during the week. That's how you create value as you, as you continue to grow. Um, and so we created these things called uh, power-ups. Um, we have three unique power-ups in the game. We removed kicking from the game completely. So we don't have kicking. There's no, there's no kickoff. There's no punting. You have to go for it on fourth down. Um, and one of our power-ups is, uh, is called the fifth down. Um, and so the way that the fifth down works is fans of each team during the week have certain things they have to do, certain engagement thresholds they have to reach, you know, watch this video, consume this content, vote on this poll, vote for your MVP of, the, of last week's game, you know, lots of, lots of things like that. If they reach that threshold, they earn a fifth down for their team the next week. And that team, their team can then use it in the game. If they don't make it on fourth down, they have one opportunity to, to use the fifth down. And so what we've seen uh, is it creates this really unique engagement model during the week. And it also creates another way for fans to feel like they had an impact on the outcome on game day, right? Because they earned that for their team. Um, so we have a fifth down. We have something called flip the field, which operates similar to a punt. If you don't make it on fourth down, you can put your opponent all the way back on their 10-yard line and they have to drive, you know, 40 yards for the touchdown. Um, and then the other one we have is actually 
comes from hockey. It's our power play. Um, and we take one guy off uh, of the defense. So you play seven on six until you get a first down or a touchdown. Then all three of those are earnable by fans during the week headed into game day. Um, then the other piece I think is really unique. Uh, we turned the extra point, which is by far the most ridiculous, boring, useless play in all of football. We got rid of it because we don't have kicking. And we, it's now a one-on-one -on -one battle between a wide receiver and a defensive back. And the quarterback has three seconds to throw the ball. So you're not, we've taken a, a terrible play and turned it into literally like shit talking. The guys are battling. I mean, the, the smack talk was unbelievable. Like the, we had games decided by these one-on-one -on -one battles on the field, right? Like it, it changed the dynamic in a way that made this a, a, a must-watch play. Uh, and, and it really, you know, I mean, probably some kickers listening out there. So sorry if you guys are listening, but there's no room for you in, uh, in bank control football. <laughs> Sorry, but it sounds like you're going to need some bouncers in here, man. It sounds like yeah. there's going to be some actual fights. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, we, they, they get drawing, man. There, there's, some, you know, there's some stuff on the line for the finals, too. So, um, yeah, they, the guys take it real seriously. Yeah, we had two – I didn't mention, we had two guys. Their first pro experience uh, was with us in, in our first season. They're now playing, playing in the NFL. we got a wide receiver on the Giants. We have an offensive lineman uh, on the Raiders who just uh, won on a walk-off field goal uh, to make it to the playoffs this weekend. So Joseph Patasi. So we, I mean, it's exciting for these to, for us to see that, right? Like we're we're not billing ourselves as a developmental league, right? That's not the goal. The goal isn't to bring guys in to get them ready for the NFL. Um, but we've created a product where on the field it is really special. The football is incredibly competitive. A lot of our coaches have Super Bowl rings. Have three coaches with Super Bowl rings. So these guys are getting legit, you know, uh, coaching uh, at a, at a pro level. Um, and we're seeing the results. We're seeing these, the, the games are exciting. The, the, the games are, uh, you know, fun to watch. Um, and uh, the guys are getting a shot at the NFL uh, after the season, which is all we could have asked for. Yeah, no, it's definitely a great platform for them. And then in terms of just like thinking about, you know, the future and, and what other sports you think you're looking to incorporate, obviously one of the kind of elements that is conducive to this type of model is one where there's a lot of decisions to be made. Right. And so baseball is certainly a natural fit, but I think, um, you know, you guys are also expanding into basketball and the way that you're able to do that is, is really creative. So I think would love to hear about, you know, the plans for baseball and also basketball and, and, and some other sports as well, or kind of, you know, what you have in the pipeline. Yeah. So the baseball front, I mean, look, I think, Football didn't necessarily need to be disrupted, right? I mean, football is doing great. I mean, if you look at the, the stats of, of last year, 47 of the top 50 most watched uh, programs were, uh, were NFL games uh, last year. Uh, this is my daughter. Hi, Ara. She's so, part of the FCF empire. That's, she sure <laughs> is. She's learning. Thanks, baby. My other daughter, Emmy. Say hi, Emmy. How are you? <laughs> I just got home from school. Um, so, so. But if you think about baseball, we talk about a sport that's ripe for disruption and needs innovation. I mean, they have not attracted a single young person. I mean, the average age of a baseball fan is almost 60. Their audience is literally dying. Like, it's crazy. And they're just not doing anything about it, right? Nothing has changed in the game of baseball. So where I think baseball is unique is creating a shorter game, right? Nobody watches three and a half hour games of baseball anymore. You bring it down to an hour, hour and a half of baseball. Um, and you, uh, you let fans call the pitch. And you let them steal bases and you let the relief pitchers and pinch hitters and obviously the lineup decisions and all of the things that happen in a game of baseball uh, in, in, in the manager's uh, hands in the dugout. 
We're going to put that in the hands of fans. I think where baseball becomes really interesting is actually um, in, uh, in, in international markets. You know, you look at South Korea, you look at Japan, uh, Taiwan. Baseball is a big sport in those markets. Those are big crypto markets, right? They're big collector markets. They're big gaming markets. Um, so I, I think for us, you know, baseball is something we're really excited about innovating on. Um, and then the other one's basketball that you mentioned. Look, I think with this venue that we have, we can't play baseball inside this venue. We can play basketball inside of this venue. And so we've uh, kind of been iterating on this model. Interestingly enough, uh, Ron Artest, uh, who we uh, linked up with a couple of years ago uh, when he, uh, when, uh, in LA, uh, turned us on to this idea. It's called, he calls it XVX. Uh, and it's a game of basketball that's five on five. And then at certain points in the game, it goes to one-on-one or two-on-two or three-on-three. Um, and so he introduced us to that concept. And then we took it a step further and said, well, man, if you're thinking about changing, you know, creating fan-controlled basketball, the problem is in free-flowing sports like basketball and soccer, there's nothing for fans to really decide, right? It's, it's all done on the court. Um, we've got XVX, five-on-five, the game starts, and fans decide the lineup. And then five minutes goes by, and then fans decide, do they want to see one-on-one? And if they do, team A puts up a guy, and then team B puts up a guy. And now it's one-on-one, and there's strategy around who you decided to match up. And then it goes five more minutes and then it's three on three. And then team B puts up a guy and then team A puts up a guy and you go back and forth and the strategy is in the matchups themselves. And there's no substitutions. You're watching, you know, maybe it's five, uh, five minutes is too long for one V one, but you get the drift, right? It's like the matchups become the strategy uh, and you create some really unique mechanics in the game of basketball and you can create a 25 minute game, right? And, 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 uh, and, and watch it unfold. And what I like about basketball you know, football's tough. Older guys, when they get older, they can't really play the game anymore. There's injuries, they pile up. Uh, basketball, I mean, you know, the, the big three league was a great example or is a great example of older guys coming in that are still competitive and fun to watch. Um, and so you could get a nice mix of some NBA vets that want to come, you know, do something new and some young guys out of college and, and everything in between. Um, and I think, you know, basketball and, and baseball, uh, actually lend themselves uh, to some of those older stars uh, that we'd want to see play. It's really cool. I mean, you have so many levers that, to play with here, right? You could basically change games, make them more engaging. It's so interesting. I guess my question is for you is just like on the social side, right? Like you have people that will die for their teams because they're either from a certain location, they're from a state, they like the Giants, the Jets, whatever, or they went to a school like Duke, shout out my girlfriend. Uh, she'd kill me if I said I didn't like Duke. Like that's just an example. Like how do you convince I went to Maryland. That... I, I actually hate you. So. Oh, okay. Well, I got I, I to make sure she doesn't listen to this or else we're yeah, screwed. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, man, there goes my relationship. You can edit that out. Just edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. How do you tra- convince the traditional audience of sports, right, that love teams for their geography or from, uh, you know, going to their school or, or what have you to move over to this model where, you know, we don't have geographies. We don't have schools. I would, so I would equate what we're doing to, to video games, right? If you, if you pick up uh, Fortnite, your allegiance is to the character that you build, right? If you, if you pick up, uh, you know, and play League of Legends, you pick a character based on the backstory or based on their talents or based on their, you know, their abilities, right? So I think, where we're leaning in, you know, this is a league built for the younger demographic. It's a league built. I mean, you think about the younger demographic, 
they're not tied to, I mean, shit, we have people don't even own houses or going around and living in Airbnbs around the country, right? Around the world. So the, where we kind of settled was the world's changing, right? And, and this idea that you have to have a centralized, you know, team that's in one location. I mean, we purposely, we could have, even though all the teams are Atlanta, we could have easily said the New York beasts and the, you know what I mean? Like we could have put t- uh, cities on these things. We wanted them, them, them to be international out of the gate. And the affinity comes from first and foremost in the early going, it's the team owners, right? So when you come pick a team in the league, you're going to gravitate towards one of these team owners that you know or you like. Secondarily, it's going to be kind of the name and the logo, the branding. Um, where we think this goes is, you know, five years from now, the team owners are going to be in the background and the brands are going to be in the foreground, right? And you're going to come join the league because you're like, shit, I can draft players and call plays and own a piece of the team. and you know, uh, as I watch, I'm going to earn, uh, you know, something for doing it rather than, you know, paying money this way and never getting anything, getting anything back. Um, so I think the, the model changes the paradigm uh, and, and the world is already moving in that direction where, you know, location matters less and less. Uh, and, and I think uh, we're, we're set up for, you know, to, to attract fans from all over the world, regardless of, of location. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, and so in terms of this kind of, you know, owner player dichotomy that would previously exist, uh, how does the, the governance process happen here? You know, like what types of decisions end up getting made by owners or, or, or like what decisions are team level, what decisions are kind of player level and, and how does that balance work? So we say that is uh, it's um, fan generated and user or owner curated. So what we what we want is we want these these uh, these ownership groups. Um, again, I'll go back to the first season because that's all we know right now. Um, when we had our our naming process for team names, fans submitted thousands and thousands of names per team. We let every one of those names on the list. Uh, and then there was an upvoting process, right? And so there was, a, you know, fans got a chance to basically stack rank their their top uh, 20. We took that top 20 and they'll take the beast. We went back to Marshawn and we said, hey, you know, Marshawn and Renee Montgomery and Miro, here's the top 20. You know, each of you pick a couple that are your favorite and we'll go back to the fans with the list of top five or six that are all user generated, but the owners curated, right? Because we don't want Marshawn and, and Renee and Miro ending up with some horrible name and team logo that they wouldn't rep and they wouldn't wear and that they wouldn't be excited about. We wanted them to be excited too because they drive engagement. And I mean, some of the clips of Marshawn, I mean, the dude literally uh, said, I'm going to take a big old shit, eat this Caesar salad and go down on the field during our first game. And then literally went down, suited up and was going to go play in our first game. I mean, we were, this close from having March on on the field, it would have been unbelievable. He got talked out of it, unfortunately, but it was a, just an amazing, you know, moment. And the reason is because he was excited about the brand and he was excited about the, the league, right? So, um, and we want to continue to do that. We want this to be fan for the fans. Our motto is power to the fans, but we need the owners to have some 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 say there. So, like in the player draft process, the, the owners don't have any any more voting than the fans. But the owners put out a list and we publish it for them. We put it in the hands of the fans of like, hey, here's the strategy that the ownership group thinks you should go into the draft with, right? Like target these guys. Here's who they like. Here's why they like them. You know, we, we create content around that. 
So it gives the owners, you know, a, a position or they're the influencers of the team. Um, but at the end of the day, the decision-making lies in the hands of the fans. And, um, and we do that for as many things as possible rules in the league. Um, you know, fans don't like a rule and they'll let us know. We hear about it. Uh, we'll put it up for a vote. We'll say, well, shit, what do you want? Like, let's, here's, you know, give us options. Here's the three options. All right. That's what you want the new rule to be fine. We're going to try that in the next game uh, and, and see how it works. Right. And so we constantly look at even the, the game on the field. We look at it like software uh, where we're going to iterate and we're going to, you know, we're going to rapid test it um, until we make sure that we've got a game that, uh, that works for everybody. One other question I had for you is just on like the mentality of the players, right? Like you have fans voting on, you know, what they should do. You know, has there been any pushback from the fans? Like, Hey man, they don't want to do that play. Or I know you mentioned, um, on one of our earlier calls that, you know, it's not just any play, right? It's preset plays that they all practice. They all know. How, how does that work? How, do, how uh, receptive are the players to that? Yeah. So um, look, players, I think there's a, there's a natural weeding out process. Uh, the players that come try out for fan control football know that the fans make these decisions, right? So the guys that aren't comfortable with it don't try out. Um, but I think what we've seen, um, we tell the players, like, hey, especially the quarterbacks, like, listen, we don't want you to audible. You should not audible. The fans wanted this call. You should run it. If you do audible, you better have a damn good reason why, and you better become prepared to talk about it after the game, because if you're wrong, the fans are probably going to bench your ass for the backup who listens to what they want to run, right? So there's, a, there's this really unique balance uh, for the players and the fans. Again, I think the players have all embraced this. If you think about the, the, the guys that play in the league, you know, they're gamers, right? They get it. They, they love that idea of, of, of playing up the crowd, right? And, you know, what we saw in the draft process and another thing with the players is like, we created a process where the players are actively trying to get recruited, right? They're like, because if they don't get drafted, we, had, we, had a, we have a practice squad. Uh, the, the last guys in the draft that don't get drafted, they're on the practice squad that week. They don't even play in the, in the games. So we got guys out on social like, hey, draft me for your team. Here's why. Here's my highlights. They're engaging with fans. They're creating content. So, you know, I think we've created a, a mechanism for those players um, to really feel good about the process and feel like they also have an impact because they can be active in, in the community and with the fans. And if you become a fan favorite, maybe you're the third best wide receiver you might get picked first just because fans love you and they want you on their team, right? So it does change the dynamic a bit uh, between fans and players in a, in, I think, a, in a better way. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, my other question for you on the player side, and I mean, even on the owner side, is kind of on the value flows, right? I don't, I don't want to go too into depth because I know you guys are going to share a lot of information in the coming weeks on this, but what can you share on, on the value flows here, right? Like, why should a player come here? Like, what do they earn? Like, how, how do you kind of think about the value flows at the league level? Um, all the way down to the players and whatever else you could share would be super interesting. Yeah, so the, the model, that, the way the model works right now, the league is set up in a somewhat similar structure to NBA, NFL, in that the league itself is, is uh, a non, uh, is, is a pass-through entity, right? So the, the league will uh, generate uh, revenue. That revenue goes first and foremost to cover the costs of the league and the teams because the league uh, runs uh, everything. Um, after that, revenues are shared down to the team level. Um, and so what we want to do is obviously, first and foremost, as a startup, we want to get to break even. I think part of what we spent a lot of time on was our cost model. 
to make sure that, you know, within everything in one location and no travel and shared services across the league and, and all of those things that make, you know, our, our model unique, um, we have a chance to hit, you know, profitability really quickly uh, as a sports league. Um, and when we do, you know, we've got the, the, the model to, to drive uh, those revenues down at the team level. Um, the way that we track revenue um, is actually by team based on uh, per fan. Because as a fan, when you join the league, uh, you lock yourself into a team. Uh, and then we attribute everything you do as a fan to that team's uh, revenue structure, right? So if you do an in-app purchase or, uh, you know, you, you're, you buy uh, a baller or you, you know, interact with, uh, you know, with the, with the gear items that we're, we're bringing or you buy a digital collectible, any of those things, uh, merchandise, it's all done at the team level. Um, and so part of the, the, the process that I'm you know, excited to work with you guys on is how those, those revenues and how that value flows not only to the fans, right, and, and back into the, the actual ownership structure at the team level, um, but also I want, I want to be able to, 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 to those players to benefit. And the one I'll bring up, I think probably the easiest one to talk about right now um, is, is moments. Um, so if you think about the NBA top shot model, uh, currently, those are licenses with all the big leagues and you're, you know, chasing packs and, and, and chasing moments, um, you know, in a, in a more digitized version of traditional uh, uh, cards. Um, where we're coming at this differently is we want moments to be uh, earnable and we want them earned by the fans that generated the moment. And the people that are re rewarded are the players that were in the moment, right? So if you think about it this way, going back to that, uh, the, the, the play I used the, the, the walk-off touchdown in our championship game, we have thousands of fans that we're going to drop that moment to. And the fans that are going to get it are the ones that actually called the play. And then they're the ones that have the value to be able to decide to sell it or trade it or, or whatever they want to do with it. And then the players that were in that moment are going to get a piece of the sale, right? Uh, and and for, you know, for infinity. So as we look at other ways to build uh, on some of those models, I think that's how we're going to reward players uh, in, in, is how do we figure out how what they do on and off the field and the value that they create is built into that tokenomic model and into these NFT uh, opportunities where we can drive that value back into their hands because they're the ones that are that are building it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it's definitely a, uh, a token model we're excited to, to work on. You know, I think it's, it's really a one of one, one of one here where it, unlike kind of anything else we've ever had the opportunity to work on. And so uh, yeah, a, a lot of kind of open space and creativity, um, and and we'll definitely you know do a, a deeper dive into the token econ on a future pod for sure. Um, what well, once that's kind of more fleshed out, but I think it'd be probably criminal to talk about like the financial component of sports without bringing up sports betting. So I was wondering what um, kind of yeah what, what the the plans were there and the thoughts around around that component. Yeah, we think, look, we think sports betting obviously is a huge opportunity, uh, as, as everybody else in, in the world does. Um, we are, we've gone in front of the Nevada Gaming Commission, got their blessing for lines to be set on our games. So we're talking to all the big, you know, sports books about setting lines on all of our games in, in season two. Part of uh, what you don't think about as, a, as a, somebody who just places a bet is the most important thing is the integrity of the data. Um, so one of the things that we'd like to work on is, is an oracle for, for you know, providing our uh, scores and data coming out of the league um, that, that make, will make that, I think, really unique and interesting on the blockchain um, in, in order to do that. Um, but we've got it. We're working with a big data provider um, that will allow us to, to, to give sportsbooks 
uh, a good feeling about, you know, the, 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 the final scores. Um, we're also going to get in front of the Nevada, uh, I mean, the uh, New Jersey Gaming Commission, which is the other big one, um, to, to get their blessing as well. Um, and as we look to the future, like season two, we have so many things happening. And if you think about the, the fan experience, there's so many things happening in real time that like prop betting becomes difficult, especially on your own team. If you're calling plays, are you also placing prop bets? So I think we're more leaning into uh, the daily fantasy and season long fantasy formats and components. We think that uh, in our league uh, probably plays a lot better because that's stuff you can set up during the week, headed into game day, and then you can focus on game day on actually you know calling plays and, and really leaning forward on the interactive side. Um, so that's our focus for you know the next couple of seasons is figuring out and again we want to do that on the blockchain we want to do that through nfts and collectibles and, and i think you know there's a lot of obviously a lot of uh, uh, projects that have popped up uh recently around uh the fantasy component and, and different ways and mechanics to do that um so we want to build all of that uh in, into the league as well and, and figure out a, a really good mechanic to to make that happen um you know over the course of the next couple seasons yeah i've I've no doubt you guys will nail figuring that out and i guess a separate question i had for you guys is just you know per team where are you guys like where does all the communication happen between the fans like are you prescribing that you know one team should talk on your discord on like a sub channel or you know do all these teams talk on different mediums and maybe there's token gated access to one dow for the baller side like you know how does that all happen because that's totally new where the fans could talk in real time also to call plays um, as well. Yep. Uh, during the games themselves, uh, we have team gated uh, or team specific chat uh, on Twitch. Um, so you can watch on Twitch and, and, and chat with uh, members of, of just the, the people on your team. Uh, we're building in chat into the app for season two. So you'll be able to, to chat with other fans uh, in the app. Uh, Discord is going to be the number one place for specifically for the ballers. So each will have a to dedicated, you know, token gated uh, channel in, in our Discord um, that that fans will be able to come together and talk strategy and draft strategy and, and play call strategy. Um, but the other thing we, we saw uh, that was really powerful was, you know, the team owners co-streaming the games and having the other fans watch the co-stream and then talk in Twitch chat while they're watching the game together. You know again calling plays together coming up with that strategy you know especially run versus pass i mean there was a you know that again the back of that championship game in the last play the, the, the owners of the team were co-streaming the game the fans were all watching their co-stream uh and they said hey we should run this play we think this is the one we should you know i remember what the name of it was but it was a quarterback read option and that's what got called i mean the fans said fuck it let's if that's what they think we should do let's do it and they got enough votes that that was the play that got run was the one that the owners actually wanted to see uh, happen. And they, and they won the, won the championship. So I think we're, we got multiple places for it to happen. I think during the week, you know, Discord's going to probably be the forum. And then I actually think on game day in our app or, or the, the Twitch experience um, is probably the best place to, to go and, uh, and congregate and chat and talk and, uh, and, and, and create uh, that, uh, that atmosphere. That makes a lot of sense. It's cool that fans could kind of, talk wherever they want, grow wherever they want. And Saurabh, I, I mean, we were remiss not to kind of show a bit about, you know, last season, right? I mean, I know you had a pretty killer YouTube video out. Yeah, there's a re it's a recap video. I don't know what it's called on YouTube, um, but hold on. I was I also scrambling for it. <laughs> oh, I've got, I've got it right here. Let me, here, let me show the link. Power to the fans. 
This is really lit. The fan-controlled football league. Fan-controlled football league, which is a very real thing. With fans calling plays. Manziel to throw. Stepping up now, he'll take it himself oh. to the 15, the wow. 20, Manziel to the 25. Oh, still FCF version one, an entire sports entertainment and pro football universe for the fans. That's a dream. They say, oh man, if I was if I was GM, I would do this. If I was, if I was the coach, I would have ran this play. You pick up your phone and you are literally in the game. With a proprietary FCF app available on iOS and Android. Fans draft the players, vote on all the rules, and not only do they call every single play, they review them. The fans have ruled. It's a touchdown. It is. Fans, heck of a call. With our incredible production. There's multiple cameras. There's multiple views. You can look from whichever player that has a camera on his head. You can look from his eyes and see it. Elite athletes with dynamic personalities captured everyone's attention across all platforms. I want to get hit. Hello. A little extra on that one. <laughs> Over the six-week season, our four teams Put on a show. Wild Aces Appers, Glacier Boys. Touchdown, Beast! Two seconds to play. It's caught! Flash Gordon! With incredible social content and shoulder program. When I got 300 pounds, it got a little different. It was like, whoa. Like an off-brand store. Like, I wouldn't say like a Walmart store. <laughs> Plus, our star-studded ownership groups include pro athletes and big-time influencers. Richard Sherman, Austin Eckler, Quavo. Marshawn Lynch owns your team. There's somebody else is going to be coming out there, Marshawn himself. First time in football history that an owner is taking the field. It's ridiculous. I'm finna play the next game. With digital distribution, FCF leveraged Twitch and Vin to broadcast all around the globe. Twitch allowed fans to engage, win prizes, talk smack, and interact directly. By championship week, FCF added NBC and DAZN to our broadcast lineup. All season long, FCF grew our audience attracting heavy-hitting sponsors like Gatorade, Champion, IBM Watson, and Wendy's. So we have our Wendy's flip the field here. This is one of our team power-ups. We are here. The People's Championship. Our guys are ready. Glacier boys, strike first. That's what I'm talking about, fans. one more play. Just run it in and dive. I'm going gun bounce. Either one. Keeps it himself. Crouch to the end zone. Is he in? Wild aces. I mean, it's just crazy that you can you can make the selection on your phone. NFL legend Joe Montana. There's nothing like it. Wow. Let's go. Power to the fans. Um, now that we've kind of given uh, a pretty decent overview of, of, of the whole system and kind of how it all works, we'd love to, you know, uh, know about the timeline for the upcoming season and, and how people can start getting involved ahead of time. First, obviously, follow us on social. It's uh, on Twitter. It's fcfl.io or fcflio on, on Twitter. Um, the website's fcf.io. 
Uh, and uh, we have our first game April 16th. You know, the big event coming up here in, in January is, is, is Ballers, um, which is going to be uh, the 26th of January. Um, if you are an NFT holder of Gutter Cats, Board Ape Yacht Club, Knights of DGen, any Steve Aoki NFT, or the 888 Inner Circle, uh, there's going to be a 24-hour private sale starting on the 26th, where only those holders will be whitelisted and have access. Uh, it's a 50% discount uh, to the uh, public sale price. Um, so the 50% price is 0 0.0888 uh, and uh, can come in and, and get a ball or pick, pick the team you want to join um, and uh, and be part of the, the process as we head into February, um, which is going to be the exciting part. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it is team names and team logos and, and you know jersey design um, and all of the branding elements. Um, we've got tryouts happening right now. We've had a couple already. We've got a couple more. We live stream those on, on Twitch. So it's twitch.tv slash FCF. Uh, you can go check out, you know, videos from last season. We've got a Thursday night show that we do, which we, uh, we talk about what's coming and, and what's happening. Um, and then uh, the, the, the tryouts are actually streamed uh, on Twitch. They're streamed on uh, DAZN. Um, so there's lots of different ways to, to watch those. Um, and then, you know, the big games, April 16th. I think we're going to have tickets go on sale in March. Um, for anybody that wants to, uh, is in Atlanta or wants to come out to Atlanta, I mean, this venue is going to be awesome. Uh, I think we're going to unveil the venue here in a couple of weeks and, and, uh, and showcase that. Um, but uh, I think the in-person experience, as much as we're building a league for the digital fan, uh, I think this in-person experience is just going to be unbelievable. Um, and so I think it'll, it'll be worthwhile to get out to Atlanta for a game. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, April 16th, game one, uh, four games on game day. They're on Saturdays. Uh, we'll have two earlier games and two evening games uh, and uh, you know, streams on Twitch. Uh, it also is on, I don't think we talked about it on NBC LX, uh, which is a cable channel. It's on Peacock. You can watch the games uh, streaming as well. Um, and then on the zone uh, all around the world. So it's uh, pay your taxes and then a day later, start the league. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> nice, nice. And I mean, you guys are doing crazy views though, right? Like you did over a hundred million in views, right? This isn't, no, this isn't we small. Have, yeah. We, we had a million views per game day. Uh, and then across all of our content, yeah, it was well over a hundred million on social and, and everything else. So um, it's not small. Uh, a lot of people still don't know about it, uh, which is what I'm excited to continue to introduce. Uh, and I think, look, I'm really excited to see how the Web3 community reacts uh, to this, this opportunity um, of building four teams from the ground up, right? And, and, and really uh, kind of leaning in. Uh, we want people to come innovate with us. If there's other projects out there that are excited about what they're doing, if there's technology, you know, we integrated, we didn't talk about, we integrated IBM Watson into the platform uh, in the first season. So Watson provided the probability of a first down and a touchdown as fans were calling plays. It was like a recommendation engine. Where we're headed with Watson and with AI, we're going to do an AI-run team. I mean, we're literally going to do a team in season three or season four where AI drafts the players and AI calls the plays, and we're going to build the computer inside of a, of a real football league. So that's the type of shit that's got me excited. Uh, and, you know, again, anybody out there, all you creators, you know, anybody, you don't have to be in the Web3 space. You can be in any space. Um, if you've got ideas, um, Sorob F on Twitter, uh, hit me DM like uh, we we want to we want to be the most innovative sports league in the world um, and uh, and we want to do it with the fans and and we want to do it with everybody else that uh, that wants to see 
you know, sports, uh, you know, the, the balance of power shift a bit. Yeah, no, I think uh, like the, the fact that you guys are going to be able to continuously iterate is, is massive. We're right. Like the way that it looks this year relative to the way that it looks the previous year is going to be a completely different story. And you're going to have like a lot more information to work off of and a lot more, you know, you're going to realize what type of engagement works, what doesn't. And, and this, that consistent iteration is, is, is going to be awesome, especially, you know, compared to the kind of static um, dynamic that happens with, with regular leagues. Totally agree. So Rob, it's been a pleasure having you on, man. I mean, thank you for having us as investors. We're, we're thrilled to build alongside you. And, you know, we just think that you're totally inverting the model for fan engagement, fan ownership in a way that traditional teams and leagues will never be able to do. Um, so we're super excited to help you build, man. And uh, for everyone listening, obviously you heard April 16th, be around, download the app, check out the site. Um, and obviously we're going to be doing a lot of podcasts with Sorob. I'm going to book him for the next 10 after we hang up right now. So I got you linked up, Sorob. And we'll go Love from it. there. And, and Thank you, Jan, for, for joining and, and co-hosting. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Pleasure. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please support the show by hitting subscribe on iTunes, writing a review, or sharing this episode on Twitter and LinkedIn. And stay tuned for our next episode out soon.